0: Good morning everyone. Good to see you all. Um, and thank you to Tina for leading us so sensitively. Where's she gone? She's around there she is. And uh, thank you also to Lina for leading us. I think we don't we don't always thank our meeting leaders, but actually it's a real it's a real gift and ministry to hold us all throughout the morning. So thank you, Lina. So I'm gonna have to put my glasses on as I can't read what I've written. So and then you'll all go blurry because that's an age thing. So here we are. We're in Ephesians 3, and my title is The Power of the Holy Spirit Empowered for Mission. I'm looking at Paul because he gave me that title, a big title. And uh, I'd like to say that the more I read Ephesians, the more excited I become about oh, just our wonderful faith. Just you know, look at what the words down here this morning and that we've heard read already. It's, it just excites me. Um, and I think, I hope that as you all read Ephesians, you'll feel similarly because it just contains everything, this book. Um, so who's, who's been having a chance to read it this week, maybe rereading the first three chapters? Yeah, a few of you, a few of you. I just really encourage you to read it, um, to spend time with it and to keep rereading it as we talk about it on a Sunday And uh, as we keep saying here at River, we have a really high view of Scripture and Holy Spirit-led revelation of it. Um, In fact, I'd like to say that although you can get the Bible on many apps these days, I really would like to recommend that you go old school. Look, you can even get purple Bibles these days. That you go old school, that you have a paper copy that you read, especially you younger people. Um, you can really grapple with it. You bring it with you on a Sunday. Um, I think a key part of our faith is a living relationship with the Bible. And I just think it's easier, and this might just be me, with a book that you can underline and you can bookmark and you can rummage through the pages and you've got different versions. And Anyway, I won't go on. That's just my top tip for this morning, one of my top tips. So this week we're going to spend a little more time in Chapter 3. And in Chapter 3 of Ephesians... We find ourselves at the apex, the summit, if you like, of the whole book. The summit, we've sort of spent the first three chapters moving up, and then we're going to move down and off over the next few weeks. So when you reach an apex or a summit, what do you do when you've reached a high point, when you've climbed a hill or a tree or a mountain? What do you do? Have a break? Look. Yep. Anything else? Enjoy. Enjoy. Get your breath back. Eat some sandwiches. (laughs) Do what? Have a cup of tea from a flask. Absolutely. You take it all in, don't you? Where you are, you take it all in. You survey the view. You can see where you've been and where you're about to go. And you don't rush on. You catch your breath, you take a pause. So I'm thinking of all of the men that are going on the walking weekend uh, next week. You will reach some high places, and I'm sure you will take in the view. And You'll think, wow, I came all that way, and wow, I'm, I'm going down all that way. So we pray blessing and we pray protection and safety on all of you that are going there. So, I thought, therefore, a summary would be useful at this point so we can see where we've been, and I'm not going to talk about where we're going to, but we are off to different places. So, the letter of Ephesians is in two parts, roughly. Chapters 1 to 3, Paul's talking about, he's talking about doctrine, he's talking about what God has done, and he's talking about what to believe. And then in chapters 4 to 6, Paul talks about ethics, about what we should do, how to behave. And... Uh, It it falls neatly in those two ways. And there's questions you can ask of this letter, which we've explored as we've gone along. For example, was it actually written by Paul? And there is scholarly debate about this, and I don't think it really matters, but it is interesting. Who is it written to? Again, it's not clear if it was solely written to the Ephesians. um, And it's likely, it's a sort of circular letter that was passed around churches. And as, as Andy said to us, here we have the one to Ephesus. But a key point here and a key theme in the first three chapters that emerges and came out in the last couple of weeks is that this is addressed to the Gentiles, not to the Jews, and that the Gentiles are equally included in God's plan, God plans for us all. And the letter covers the majestic, cosmic, and practical themes ending and thoroughly wrapped up in Jesus. Jesus. And we understand through Ephesians that we are chosen by the grace of God, that we are and that we have this amazing inheritance and we are chosen and we are God's children through whom God is outworking, God's plan in the words of N.T. Wright, God's plan to flood the whole cosmos, heaven and earth together with God's presence and grace. So when we talk about God's plan, that's what actually we mean. We don't mean a plan that what you're going to do next Tuesday. We mean this massive overarching plan. And a key symptom or sign of what God has done and is continuing to outwork through us is Holy Spirit with us, isn't it? It's the resurrection power of our creator God, the power of all powers. And it's awesome, yeah? You see why I get a bit excited about Ephesians? Um, just a little aside here, picking up a little bit from last week, I'd just like to make a confession that I'm not a crazy charismatic. I am very happy to leave that to Colin, who was with us last week, and Nigel and others, and I would say that I am a charismatic. Don't get me wrong, I am totally in love with our Trinitarian God, But, you know, with me, you're more likely to find me staring out of the window, reflecting on a tree in all its autumn glory and just my spirit rising with God's spirit rather than me dancing and jumping about. And uh, I think I'm praising God just the same. And my point being that we're all different in how our relationship with the Holy Spirit is expressed. I just wanted to say that. We don't have to be crazy. Some of us are. We don't have to be crazy. But spirit-led lives are really important. And I'm passionate about the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we have through God, through what Jesus has done for us. And I'm excited to hear in chapters 4 to 6 more about that. So chapters 1 to 3 are all about God's Christ's grace and love and power. And Paul draws us into this greater understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit And today, in particular, we're thinking about being empowered for mission. And here in Chapter 3, before we move forward, down the hill, from the apex, into how to live, we have reached this pause point where we don't rush off. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to pause. I want us to reset, to recalibrate, to take in um, before we go into specific teachings about how to live. We can't do that before we've paused and absorbed Um, what what God has for us. I'm keeping an eye on my time. I think um, I'm going to read the first part to you because uh, some of you have read it, but not everybody has, so I'll read it to you. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you And how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words. A reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery, and this is the Jews and Gentiles being equal, this mystery was not made known to humankind, but it's now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, that the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promised in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And of this gospel, I, Paul, have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ – And to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that the church through the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was in accordance with the eternal purpose that God has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have access in boldness and confidence through faith in him. And I pray, therefore, that you will not lose heart over my sufferings for you, because they are your glory. I love all that. And we see the first reference here that Paul's actually in prison. He's been imprisoned for his radical views around inclusion, around Gentiles. But I'm not talking about that. I think that the heart or the linchpin of this passage is found in verse 10. And verse 10 says, So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Or in the Passion Translation, it says, The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. It's one of the New Testament's most powerful statements for the reason for the church's existence. And that really struck me as I was reading this. Not about all the other things we do about church, but this is one of the most powerful reasons for being church that the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, and we'll come on to this later in the series, but essentially this means spiritual powers or forces which sort of sit behind earthly authorities, and they work to bring disorder, disunity, but that they must be and will be and they are confronted by God's wisdom through the church. And wisdom here means multiply multiply, multifaceted, By saying that quickly. Multiply multifaceted. God's wisdom taking on this varied, brilliant, glorious forms revealed through the church. Simply by the presence of the church living out the good news of Jesus. Now during our time of prayer and fasting, we had various words brought through some of the through the prayer meetings. And a couple I believe are relevant today that I wanted to to, to say. Um, one of them was Paul Darias who's over there, had a picture of us, the church, as a murmuration of starlings. So I wanted just to, us to watch a clip and with this in mind of it being a metaphor. For the church. So let's just watch this clip, please. Amazing, isn't it? Just absolutely amazing. It's the sort of time of year when you get to see them. Um, I've just come back from Lincolnshire seeing my parent, my mum, and in the fen skies, you can see birds, and it, it's, uh, there's lots of sky there, and it's wonderful to watch a murmuration. Um, but the birds form such amazing, beautiful shapes and patterns, and it's quite mesmerizing, isn't it? I says there isn't a reason for it. I, I, I could speculate a reason might be that uh, these are God's created birds, and that we are created to be together, aren't we, in, in a unity? So maybe they are expressing some of that. But isn't it just a wonderful picture and a metaphor of us being church? It's this community of people in all ages, color and race and backgrounds coming together in unity and exploring together just the wonderful, inexhaustible riches of Christ whenever we come together. And that's not going through the motions of turning up every Sunday. It's so much more than that and it's doing so much more than that. It's empowering us for mission just by who we are, by what we look like. You look at it, just think of those birds just moving like that. It's just amazing. And then when we move like this, when we allow the Holy Spirit to blow through us and move us and shape us, we become God's people, living God's story in such a way that people are drawn to Christ. And uh, it's us being us. And I think it's a really powerful witness, and I think that's where mission begins. It has to begin there. And we mustn't underestimate it. It's very easy, I don't know if you do this, to run ourselves down. But we are witnesses to those who are around us. You know, as a church, we're carrying this amazing grace gift of love, of God's unmerited favor, of God's unaccountable love. And we learn more and more about that, don't we, as we come together and we enjoy our gift from God. And from that flows everything else. And that's the starting point. And we can't earn it. We can't strive for it. But we can only put ourselves in a place to receive it, to dwell and wait. And then we must let go and we must let the Holy Spirit work within us. Let the Holy Spirit call us and draw us and nudge us and shape us and mold us. And then we put ourselves in this receiving place again and again. And lo, we are a murmuration flowing and moving together. If that's a bit abstract for you, um, I like to work in abstract kind of images, then I want to just give some missional examples of our witness. Wycombe. Serving those who struggle for places to live, whose lives are chaotic. As an expression of river down there, we bring hope and love and unity and we hold the presence of God. We bring a holding presence of God for people. Our River Family Chat WhatsApp group how we hold each other there and others know and know that we pray for them and how we love each other. And that, I think that powerfully witnesses. We keep hearing stories of, of people sharing how we're praying via our chat and how people being deeply moved and drawn by that. God's love through God's people. with a life where we love on everyone we meet, where we provide a safe place for young and old an increasing sense of community building down there, of looking after each other, serving each other, praying for each other. Patches Field, where we are seeing the changing, transformative power of the Holy Spirit in what I'm fondly calling an accidental missional community. I didn't really ever think God was calling me to work with older people or, or gather them together in a form of church, and yet that's what Maria and I are doing down there. We're being churched there, and we're seeing the spiritual atmosphere change. And people keep commenting um, that residents are being kinder to each other. They're looking out for each other much more than before. And we're just friends, aren't we, down there? And we get the opportunity to, to take them to hospital visits and share with them and, and go into their homes and have cups of tea. And Increasingly, it's so much more than a lunch. It's, it's being church down there. So I'm sure there are lots of other specific examples to you guys and maybe to your midweek groups and in your lives The Holy Spirit empowers us inwardly for external actions. So here in verse 10, suddenly it's not just Paul or the prophets or the apostles to whom the grace of revealing the gospel is given. It's now for the whole church, for us all together to reveal something. And by her very existence as a new humanity, God's heart for unity is revealed in the church. And you know what, if there was ever a time in our lives for us to rise above divisions, politics and opinions and to stand united, I think now is one of those times. That's what we can do as church. So are you up for that? Are you up for moving together even more as a beautiful murmuration? I am. That's what I love to see, and I love to see it across us. What I wanted to do is really encourage us this morning. And a second point I wanted to make this morning is to notice that Paul, in all that he says in Ephesians, and in particular in here, he wraps everything round in praise and prayer. And um, this is my second top tip for the morning, if anybody's writing these down. If you ever don't know how to pray or what to pray or you feel a bit of a loss, I would suggest that you go through um, Paul's letters in particular uh, on, with a Bible, it has to be the old school paper one, and you just underline all of Paul's prayers. And then you make them your prayers. If You don't know what to pray, just flick through. Oh, there's something underlined. I'll pray that this morning. Pray those prayers for you, for the church, for others. I think it's a, re- a great discipline, but it, your spirit rises as you do it, and suddenly you find you have got something to pray. So, um, Paul had all this amazing revelation he pauses here he doesn't rush off in telling us what to do or how to live he pauses and what does he do he falls on his knees he falls on his knees in prayer before the ultimate source of all he does this on behalf of the ephesians he kneels and he gives everything over in a prayer and what an amazing prayer it is and preparing for this talk, I, I, for ages I didn't really know what to say. And so all I knew to do was just to pray this prayer in Ephesians 14 to 21 over and over. And anybody who was in my mind that week, many of you, I would be praying that for you or praying it for all of us. And uh, today that's what I'd like us to do for each other and that's why it's sitting on the seats. Because I believe that like when, like Paul, when we pray this for each other... When we've prayed and immersed ourselves in Christ and Christ in us, then results emerge. Then revelation from the Spirit will bring us missional purpose. So a second significant word, I think, that emerged from our praying and fasting was around generations working together. We love the fact that there's so many younger people here. And I love the fact that increasingly we've got more people in this church who are under 40. And we've been praying for that. And we thank God for that. But it doesn't mean the rest of us are kind of just going to sit around. It's about us all working together. That murmuration will only work if we're all flying. So this morning, I wanted to pray this prayer over us. As as I'm up here, I've got the privilege of doing that for you. And then I wanted us to pray over each other. And move into a ministry time now, praying this prayer for each other, and what i 'd like to happen is young and old pray for each other so if you 're older, go and find a younger person if you 're younger, find a younger per find an older person uh, we 're not judging on this it 's like we 're all younger and older than somebody, but the younger and it 's also great to see the students back with us today, Nina and Caleb in particular it 's always really good to see you, and Sharon, and we do pray for you when you 're away at uni. Um caveat, if you're uncomfortable with this and you don't want to do that, that's absolutely fine. Just sit quietly on your own and just let, if somebody comes up to you, just say, I'm just sitting quietly and just pray that prayer for us on your own. That's fine too. And be um, respectful of each other. Some people don't mind having hands laid on them. Some people do. So just ask permission and, and, and be kind to each other as we do this. So um, that's all I wanted to say this morning. Uh, accept that we are expecting the Holy Spirit to be moving as we do this. And uh, so take time, slowly pray this prayer over each other, one and then the other. And then as we move from that, Russell and Sue are going to lead us through communion. And again, I thought it would be really wonderful then to just to share communion with the person you've been praying with. Just stay together and go and share some communion together once Russell and Sue have led us. Does that sound okay? So I'm going to pray now. This is Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21, and it's in the Passion Translation. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that God would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with God's divine might and explosive power. And then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of Christ's love will become the very source and root of your life. And then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. And this extravagant love pours into you Until you are filled with overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And so now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Mm. So your turn. Find somebody from a different generation and pray this prayer over them. Thank you.